0: Mr.
1: Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ah! Hi, this is Bob 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 v, v V V Vila. And now, it's time for the show. This old dungeon, dungeon. the show where grognards go to get their grog on. So we're going to get a lot of stuff done We're going
2: to kick some ass We're going to be off awesome. Featuring uh, your hosts
3: I'm Briggy, I'm Thomas's wife And I'm the noob
2: Somebody here call a carpenter? Uh, this is Thomas, husband to Briggy And uh, let's see, I work for the library I write, I draw, I paint I do all of this, but none of it very well
1: i can always find games you know. this is luau lu i could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher but definitely a veteran role player 35 plus years
2: we work on it the rest of the night we get it together we can do this right there's no way in hell we can do it
1: all right listeners welcome to this old dungeon i'm luau lu and with me tonight a big return to the podcast the hosts you've been missing, the hosts you've been asking me about are guys. <laughs> it's just wow. It's, uh,
3: <laughs> this is, is Thomas. The, yeah, yeah. The, I'm Briggy. Welcome uh. back guys.
1: And I know a lot of our listeners, uh, they, they sent their condolences and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to have you guys back on here. It is so, uh, scary to stare at that microphone all alone, uh, for episodes. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for being back
2: with me. Uh. Well, it's good to be glad. back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. We were going to record or do something or maybe game a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think everyone knows, you know, my mom passed and stuff. So, you know, everything you have planned just goes right out the right window. Right out the window. Yeah. 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 You just don't anything. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. Yep. With that. And just, you know, my mom was the first person uh, she she bought me my D and D red box from the Woolworths at Lafayette Square uh, <laughs> here in Indianapolis when I was a kid. So you know, this is all her fault.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you guys have drinks, and I've got a drink here. So let's uh, let's have a little lib. Uh, if I can even say, it. maybe I had too much of the drink. Let's have a little libations uh, for Shirley.
2: Libation for Shirley. <sighs> I, you know, I had several libations that initial week.
0: Yes. <laughs> yep. And that's so,
1: okay. so, I mean, obviously you guys have had a lot going on, but, uh, you know, it's this old dungeon, so I got to ask the question, have you had anything uh, to do with gaming in the last couple weeks, anything going on gaming-wise? Briggie, I'll let you
2: take it.
3: Okay. Um, I have been uh, very active in my lord of the rings online game i'm gonna be honest that's you know because when i kind of that's kind of where i zone out a little bit if i if i can't find time doing something else um i just you know i'll play on there and it's been pretty cool because um the kinship that i'm in has been very active so i've been lately like like over the summer, it was pretty dead, and I think that's normal. I mean, because people are not sitting You're at their computers, on. they're outside or doing things um you know, so uh but yeah we it's been a lot of fun to uh get on discord and uh get in an instance with people and have a lot of fun doing that. so I have been doing that Very cool. um a lot lately I <laughs> yeah. uh, you know
1: what you mean though that that having that you know something to do that's you know can capture your mind and your your efforts but yet is totally pointless and mindless and doesn't you know you could screw it all up and nobody cares that's that's so important sometimes when you you got a lot of serious stuff on your plate
2: yeah yeah i've been doing um just to keep my hands active and just cause I, I fidget a lot. And if you ever sit with me somewhere, if we ever game physically again, ever again, uh, if I'm a player in the game, I doodle a lot because I get fidgety and some Al, uh, Briggy likes to think it's cause I'm not interested in what's going on. Uh, no, it's mostly because my, you know, I fidget, I, what I typically do will draw something from the game. Maybe I'll yeah, draw character my characters, right. Yeah. Or I just, I just fidget. And I do this in meetings at work all the time too. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so it's just one of the things. So anyway, what I've been doing is what I call hashtag nerd therapy is I've been working <laughs> on terrain. Um, Bricky, to her wonderful credit, took my styrofoam melter and put it away so it'd be in a safe place and I couldn't find it. True. So I, <laughs> I, very ended up true. Buying, I ended up buying a whole new one um, uh, on Amazon that has a few more implements to it so I can do some more carving. But anyone who knows, and I'm sure there's a few, um You don't cut styrofoam, you melt it. And so I make all kinds of hill and terrain and, and, you know, different stuff like that with my styrofoam melter. And what's great about the hills and terrain is you can use it for something like Battletech or you can use it for D&D or Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, as just regular hills. But -hmm. I've been doing a lot of uh, Battletech stuff because it's such a big, rich world of science fiction and stuff like that. I've been reading the fiction. I've been looking through the rule books. I did the Kickstarter for the Clan Invasion. Box set and that came in, so I've been that's painting. Say, yeah, that's still
1: sitting now, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So I I did the Kickstarter for that, and I've been working on a Clan Jade Falcon. Uh, that's what that's the color scheme I'm going with. Well, oh, that's my favorite clans, <laughs> the ones I really know anything about, to be honest with you. But I've been painting Max. Uh, I've been making terrain. I've been folding cardstock buildings. You know, just just keeping myself busy. So that's what I've been doing gaming wise. It's just a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know. Mini and terrain stuff. So there you go. That's what I've been
1: doing. Love it, man. I I, I yearn for the day when uh, when when the kids are old enough where I can kind of lock myself away in a room and just paint stuff and build stuff and, and have trains sitting out that doesn't end up getting all smashed up and all this. Um, that's cool.
2: Well, when my kids were little, they used to get out my HeroClix stuff, and I'd let them because I didn't play them a whole lot. And their version of HeroClix was, I think I've said this on the show before they'd hold one up then they'd hold another and say okay daddy which one wins <laughs> and that was the game to them. <laughs> you know they would pull up uh, here's superman and then uh here's um you know uh, here's beast boy who wins <laughs> okay uh, I, I know superman. you too well
1: do you uh did, did you tell him who won and what comic book established who won you know like an episode or in in uh
2: uh, you know, issue number 45. So, and so beat so-and-so. No, I didn't do that, but I would look at it and I would really like think about it sometimes and be like, well, so-and-so can do this, but so-and-so can do that and this, and then that, and they'd look at me and go, but who wins? Just get to it. <laughs> come on, come on, get come on, come on, come on, nerd boy, dance. And, <laughs> and I'd let them just play with them on the, you know, and stuff. So yeah, I get it. You know, I do right. Like this year, we got a new kitten. So we are changing how yeah. we do our Christmas stuff, like the fragile stuff or the stuff that could snap or break is not getting put out on the trees this year. It's all plastic stuff on all the trees because that cat it <laughs> will get into anything. And yeah, so. Do you think she'll be a climber? Go she see is a climber. <laughs> Already a climber. We have mm-hmm. holes. The curtains in our bedroom now have a couple they of holes. We have a little couple of holes. Her. Yeah. She's learning to climb the door jam to open the door. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> if she wasn't so damn cute, you know.
1: Yeah, that's that's what saves them, them and babies, right? <laughs> yeah. Willing to be up to your elbows and poop as long as that baby has that little coo and a smile, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it. But she, she's a good cat. She's just too damn smart for her own good. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Kittens and babies—they just destroy stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I've uh, I've sold my soul to the virtual devil. I'm uh, I'm committed to. I think it is uh, 17 virtual games between now and uh, January 8th. <laughs> uh, running basically just dare luck just. Straight up, you know, anyone that'll play a game of it here, come on, join me on this convention. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. So, uh, I saw, on your Facebook good.
2: Page. yeah, I saw on your Facebook page, how you said you did the save the date that you're going live on December 7th. Yep. You yep. know, I bookmarked it. So you will, you will see me on there.
1: Appreciate it. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I tell you, I, you know, I, I don't get nervous about much in life because I mean, there's, you know, it's either going to happen or it's not, but I'm a little nervous on the, on the Kickstarter. Cause you know, it's, it's one of those proof is in the pudding sort of moments, uh, but uh, but I've had a lot of good feedback, and I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a good experience, I think.
2: I've, I've done a lot of make. I've done kickstarters. Uh, I've uh, you know we're not going to get into the nitty gritty. I've had some friends do some kickstarters and stuff some have been successful some haven't so you know best of luck to you you're going to get our support at least and i even shared it on facebook and a friend of mine at work who i'm friends with was liking it and stuff and i mentioned i said yeah i'm doing some artwork for him just you know a few incidental pieces and you know i'll boost the signal however i can as i well.
1: appreciate it yeah oh and speaking of that artwork not to breathe down your back on the in the public here but uh, i am on final layout and uh okay it, uh, any Anytime you can send me uh, the work my way, uh, that's uh, I'm looking forward to putting those pieces in because they are, they are some really nice uh, additions to what I've got. So
2: Okay, I will... Uh, there's one I'm doing some art correction on. I will have that to you. I hope to have that to you by the begin. I'll say by the beginning of next week.
1: Sounds great, man. Okay. Um, oh, and while we're talking about Kickstarters, I'm um, going to go ahead and announce this. We... Uh, We've got a couple special episodes coming up. We're hoping to to get them in the can here during December. We got Ben Burns from New Comic Games. He's going to be with us for an episode uh, looking at uh oh I just forgot the name Lords of Creation. That was an I older heard. RPG I had never heard of it. He sent me some links. I've been looking at it. It looks pretty cool. Uh so he's going to cover that. He if you go on to Kickstarter and you look for New Comic Games man New Comic CU no I'm sorry New Comet like uh Haley's Comet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um my, my my bad with the enunciation there, but uh, he's you talk about a guy that's got a couple Indiana. irons yeah. in the fire, man. He's got like stuff on there all over the place. A lot of Call of Cthulhu, a lot of uh, third edition or not third edition, fifth edition AD and D, really cool stuff. So we got him coming up, and then uh, a, a personal favorite podcast of mine, Radio Free Borderlands, which just the name alone I love. Dan the man from that podcast, he's uh, thrown in and committed to doing an episode with us. So we got some guests coming up that I think is going to make this show uh, just extra special. So uh, stay tuned I'll, for that, folks.
2: And we already discussed this off the mics. Uh, when Ben and Dan come on, they will be the ones who will be victimized with geek <laughs> <heat> current. <laughs> wow. yes. They will have
3: the wonderful experience of having some questions thrown at them. for heat, Yeah. Yes. And I think yes. what we'll do <laughs> is... <laughs> I think all three of us
2: are going to gank them, and each one of us we're going to come up with questions. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that way, crossfire. You know, I like it. Mm-hmm, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into
1: our next segment, which is. Dun-da-da-dun.
3: Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest.
1: Real quest. All right. Grail Quest, what is it that we're looking for now? We're headed into the holidays here. Sometimes that changes what you want. Uh, You're looking for things for other people. You've got things on your list that you're hoping your your significant other sees. What are we looking for this week in gaming, guys?
2: Oh, jeez. I'm just going to keep... On the short term, I'm just keeping working on uh, Battletech stuff because I, once I got back into it again, I'm just keeping with it. I hadn't done a lot of painting in a while, so I'm doing, I've done some regular D&D type miniatures. I'm doing some Battletech stuff. Um, I'm writing, now that, uh, since we were last on here, I did, uh, Briggy and I both did a few games uh, with Goodman Games for their virtual uh, Bride of Cyclops Con. <laughs> we played Which three was,
3: uh- a lot of fun. It was yeah.
2: fun. We it even put watched, on a good oh We put on we even watched the la we even watched the closing ceremonies virtually on our on our TV. And I've never done that, but I was like, oh, it was really cool. It was actually very entertaining, and there was no dead space. It was a lot of fun. But I'm throwing my hand in at designing my own zero-level adventure, The Secret of the Horrible Horde. Um, I've been writing it. I've been longhand writing a lot of it. I just got a book of graph paper, and I'm just writing it out. Is that how you normally work? Do you normally uh, handwrite things and then go from there? Um, It's a mix of handwriting, and then I will start writing it out uh if it's a if it's a one-shot sort of thing i get very involved if it's the start of a campaign it starts real tight but as the game develops and stuff it gets a little looser yeah, but yeah i do that yeah I, I do a lot of handwriting uh, as i go Interesting. Uh, because you know it's it's analog i can kind of Maybe I won't always have my phone to write on or my laptop or a tablet or a piece, or a desktop PC, but give me a pen and a piece of paper and that's like the original word processor, you know? <laughs> and then I can move it back later. And if I get an idea, like if you flip through this, you'll see, well, I've got graph paper. I can right. the map and stuff like that. It's very site-based. And then I also sketch out uh, some of the ideas. Like uh, with a Dungeon Crawl Classics, you just don't have, you know... I, it's not like some games where an orc is an orc is an orc, or a goblin is a goblin is a goblin. In Dungeon Call Classics, an orc is an orc is a what the f you know? And that's the way I'm going. Like, uh, I'll, I'll give you some previews. We've got black mold moles. We've got the moss skeletons and flash bats. Hmm. So those are some of the, the creations I'm working on right now. So. Well, that's the other what thing I'm...
1: I love, uh, Goodman Games, uh, is pretty much open licensed. To a degree, I mean, you have to submit to them what it is you want to make, but they don't charge a license fee. Uh, they just say, okay, if we okay it, you, you make it, and, you know, here's their blessing. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of cool. I, I...
2: Yeah, I'm hoping to, you know, I'm going to try this, and just this is just for friends and fun, and if it really works out, maybe I'll try and do a um, submission to them. We'll see. Yeah. Because they I'm do welcome. open cattle call all the time. They mm-hmm. just finished one up for fifth edition D&D stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my, that's what I'm working on. As far as gaming, I hope maybe in the next week or so we're going to have a zero session. We're going to figure out a game. I know we've talked about uh, doing gangbusters, the BX version. I still would like to do that. My head's not in the space to do that right now unless someone else wants to run it we're talking about doing a dungeon crawl classics, some dare luck club stuff, maybe D and D maybe call of Cthulhu. I really have a real set in mind. Star Trek campaign. I would like to do, uh, you know, something like that in the next few weeks, we're going to start doing something over zoom with that. So yeah, that's what we're looking at.
1: And I, I think in the last episode I recorded, uh, i had said that, you know, we've had <clears throat> a listener play with us online and, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm open to any listener. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Write us at uh, thiswholedungeon at gmail.com and let us know you're interested. We'll we'll game with you, man. It's yeah. it's the time of COVID. Absolutely. We need to get together as gamers, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Lou might run a game. And he'll run it a little differently than I'll run it. Um, when it comes to online stuff, I'm more theater of the mind. Lou tends to use more. Yeah, you use uh, Roll20 stuff sometimes, right? No, nah, I, I really do Zoom, but I, I use
1: two accounts, and I have one where it faces, like, uh, I basically make up this real ridiculous rigging with, like, uh, little kids' chairs and some uh, wooden uh, measuring sticks, and uh, I have a camera looking down on a map where I can move the pieces and draw things in and stuff. Uh, So, basically,
2: it's it's a Rube Goldberg machine.
1: Yes, it pretty much looks like one, yes. And uh, that way, you know, that way players, they can, uh, in in Zoom, it's called pinning, where you can... Open a screen to be full screen out of the out of the different camera views that you have from people. Uh, so if they want to look at the map, they can do that. If they want to you know, see everybody's face and reactions and interact as uh, you know, actors of the characters they're being, uh, we can do that. But um, that's what I've found is, is most natural, as closest to a real game experience as I've come to. Roll20 is great, don't get me wrong. I'm just not very good at uh, a lot of the details on that, running the map, yeah, hitting... True. Hitting the I can right side. I'm not
2: <laughs> running it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I do more theater of the mind with this sort of uh, like Like, uh, I think a Call of Cthulhu or a Star Trek game could do more. It could, it could be a little more better in that kind of aspect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that it would more work better. better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I'm hoping so people good. say about our podcast. We're more better. Yeah. The yes. two of you that are listening, please. <laughs> Bricky, what are you looking for right now? Anything?
3: um yes i am i am looking for a little bit of time and space where all of us during the holiday will have a game i don't know what kind of game it could be kicked in a board game doesn't matter what that's uh what i'm hoping for
2: yeah even if we'll we don't get everyone goes. involved let's get a board game or something mm-hmm. i'll yeah. tell you what i want to do is y'all bought me the uh munchkin ducktail set and i've still not played that yet so but i'm like about to Disney draft is that what you said Ducktail? yeah, yeah, yeah no it does ah. and you know i'm a big carl barks fan so yeah they bought it for me <laughs> excellent you we mean, haven't that. played it yet so yeah nope. And I've got i I've got a Kickstarter, a couple of Kickstarter games I want to uh, try out that I've got. So I think there's a distinct possibility that we're going to do this. So Yeah, I yeah. already kind
1: of gave away my, my big real quest on the, the episode I did by myself there. Uh, I've got, uh, th- uh, let me back it up a minute. Um, so Planet X Games, who's run by a real cool guy, uh, Levi Combs. He, uh, he's producing all these. Fifth Edition compatible games that are what he calls grindhouse games. They're kind of like old uh, B movie kind of style things. And one of them's, uh, oh, what is it called? It's uh, ah, my brain just went dead. Uh, Howling Crater. Uh, it's got something before that. But anyhow, um, <laughs> oh man, it's terrible. But anyhow, uh, that's on my list to get. It's a, uh, it's a game, uh, an adventure that's sort of patterned after Barrier Peaks. But it has, like, a... Uh, An occurrence at
2: Howling Crater, by the way. There that. it is, there it
1: is, thank you. An occurrence at Howling Crater. Uh, so quick. Yes, oh, man, it's like the magic do... of the internet was going on there.
2: Well, I was going to say, I do work at a library. Yeah. <laughs> you do.
1: But, uh, yeah, so it uh, it's just everything I want in a game as far as, like, you know, I, I could play it as D&D, which I might, but probably not. Uh, but what I really want to do is take it and throw it into a Mutant Crawl Classics game. Uh, cause it's just so weird. It got,
2: sounds like one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the, the UFOs are more creepy than what you had in barrier peaks. They're more, you know, nefarious, they full of things that are gonna, that are in, in not just going to kill you, but want to kill you and are going to seek you out to kill you. Um, there's all these mut- mutants and mutations. And then you've got the people that live in that area, area these, these villagers, they're all kind of like these, uh, these backwoodsy deliverance sort of people, you know, like the Hills have eye kind of movie. Um, the hills Have Eyes or however that goes. But uh, anyhow, it just seems like it's really up my alley. And I'm, I'm looking forward Ooh. to maybe getting that one in my hands for Christmas. So Nice. And then we got a few letters uh, from the Homeowners Association here. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion is letter writer is a total wacko. All right, so... Yeah, the letters we have, uh, I read them on air last time, uh, but then I warned people I'm going to read them again. Uh, so from Jonathan Kurtz, uh, he sent us this nice long letter of saying a few different really great things, but he did have some questions for us, and I thought I'd want to bring those back up for you guys. One of the questions is, can we put some pictures up on our Facebook page? And I'm all for that, except that I don't know that I have any pictures uh, with us playing games together. I know that uh Thomas, we've got some pictures of us at a Star Wars convention.
2: I've got one yeah, downstairs. We just happened to bump into each other at the uh, Star Wars celebration too I think, and that was years ago,
1: oh, so many years ago
3: yeah, um does he want pictures specifically of game of us gaming or just he had mentioned like us pictures gaming. of modules <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know
1: uh, he had mentioned us gaming uh but you oh. know I, I think it's not a okay. bad idea. We can get some some host pictures up there. I just gotta find one back when I still had a lot of hair and looked really good. A few pound slider, you know.
3: Well, Whatever. what yeah. Don't even right. listen to him. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can put some pictures up and then sometimes when we're playing like if we've got a if we're in a like in a D and D game and we were in the middle of a bunch of combat, we'll take a picture and put it on Instagram or Facebook. Cause it just kind of looks cool.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, when I get all my battle tech stuff done, I was actually going to set everything up on the table. Like I'm playing some massive looking game. I'm not, I'm just going to make <laughs> it look really cool. I'll put those up and things like that. But yeah, things. I, yeah, that's exactly it. All my work. I can
3: find some pictures. Like I had, I have. We have some
2: Gen Con pictures of you and I running around doing stuff. I so, have- yeah, like,
1: um. That was back a- when I was, uh, boycotting cell phones and I didn't, you know, I didn't have the ability to take a picture anytime, so I didn't have anything from us. Well,
2: some of them were on my old Kodak camera. I mean, you know, this is going back, what, to. For me, Gen Con, I've been going since 2007. Yeah. You know, uh, I know we've got a succession of pictures of uh, Briggy and I at the Midnight Zombie Buffet at Gen Con. <laughs> like three or four years in a row, we take a picture with us in a bottle of booze. Um, mm-hmm.
3: At the yeah. table. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I
3: think I could probably scram something up. So I'll just look around and see. And then. when well, I tell you, if, uh, if we get on the,
1: if we get online and game here this coming weekend or, or even you know, the next couple weekends. We'll have to do a screenshot and share sure, that out maybe.
2: Yeah, that'd be good.
1: All right. And then let's Anthony. See. I have a, oh, I see. Start. I
3: found a picture right. of you and you and Al and Timmy and then Thomas is in the background and we and you're running because you have the you have the board up.
2: Well you're a stand when you run kind of guy yeah. anyway too. Yeah, so, I don't know what it is. I
1: cannot uh, run a game from a chair. Let's it just see. doesn't have the same effect.
2: What
3: is the date of this? August 2nd, 2019.
1: Oh, wow. That was uh, more recent. Uh, what did I. Would think? that
2: have been Noncon?
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm trying to think of yep. what I ran that year. Uh, I don't
2: know,
3: but your little. Fair Luck?
1: Maybe? Yeah, I think it was. That? I think it was the no. museum one, yeah. Yeah. That's actually the next adventure I'm trying to get published and put out there. But, uh, huh. Well, uh, and I'll tell you, the, uh, the other thing I was thinking of is uh, we, we went to a bar, one of the Gen Cons, and I thought we all took pictures at the bar. Um, maybe I'm – I don't know. Anyhow. Um, uh, I'm
2: going to say right now, Briggie and I tend to go to several bars. When yeah, that I was a one. Say, bar, yeah, come which, um... on. Remember, we
1: were drinking there. You remember drinking there?
2: Yeah. We, I remember one year we went to early to go to Will Call to pick up our tickets, and the line was this huge. But, and we're locals, so we're like, yeah, we're not in a rush. And so we went to a place, got something to eat, drank, came back. That line's still long. Let's go to another bar. Okay. <laughs> And we come back, and it's like we're bar hopping and waiting for the line to go down. And finally, I think what happened was we just got drunk enough that we were willing to stand in line.
3: Yep, <laughs> I think so. They were like, "Yeah, we're good to go now. Let's yeah, stand in
2: line." To, yeah, that's that's the goal. Drunk now enough. It's fun to stand
1: here and talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which we
3: did. Yeah. Well, we did have
1: one more piece of mail, and oh, okay. uh, I'm I, unfortunately the. Computer, I have the smell on is not with me, so I'm doing this kind of off the cuff. I remember it was from a guy (laughs) named Anthony, and I remember that he is he was asking. uh, This was after we did the show on against the giants and against the slave lords, and uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that show, that cluster in in Emery Hill. So it was a show,
2: uh, though. That was
3: definitely a show.
2: (laughs) You know, that's (laughs) the synopsis. It was a show. It was. (laughs) <laughs> anyway keep going Anthony uh, yeah. you know
1: both those are really long campaigns to play and he had asked what was the longest campaign we've played in or oh, ran
0: Good, question. good oh, question. Boy. Oh. So I already
1: went through this so I don't want to go through my my end of it again but uh, you guys do tell longest campaigns you've either ran or played in or both
2: Ah, uh, let's
1: see um,
3: <laughs> well I know right off the top of my head nope, because nope, I played nope. it with you <laughs> right, which <one? laughs> the first gaming cam- the first campaign that we did had Louis and y- you ran, mm-hmm. and um, we the we had two other campaign. people. Yes.
0: Yeah.
3: Yes. And I played a very horrible thief because I really wasn't good at that. Well, uh, it was your
2: first game; you really didn't get like how does this work and things like. That's why I always say you get first character. My be roles fighters.
3: were just crap. time they had to unlock something, I just couldn't get it done. I don't know, but I was a really good little fighter. I would play like a oh gosh, it's it was half five a halfling. Yeah. It was a hobbit-looking halfling. And uh, yeah, yep. we did Is that. Is that the character that was actually character. named
1: Briggy?
3: Yeah, the, that's yep. the character. Yep, it was named Brig Ran, yes. Oh, that's where I margins. get my Briggy name from. Um, uh,
2: well, I can tell you that lasted 18 months. It did. And it was like beginning, middle, and end. We wrapped up the whole thing. We were. Taking a break afterwards just to give me a break for a little bit, and someone else was going to run. That person flaked out, and then a lot of other things happened, and we just kind of dissolved the group at that point. But we got that whole entire game in eighteen months. That was probably the longest game I've ever ran, and it ran all the way to completion. You know, so that was pretty cool. We did a, yeah. another game that didn't go quite as long. That we ran the um, that the dwarf one. Yeah, Forge of Fury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran it as a Pathfinder from 3rd Edition. That We ran that whole module beginning to end and extra stuff that I threw into it, um, which was what made it a campaign. It was, you know, we, mm. we started with the module, then I, we added a bunch of stuff to
1: that. That teased it out a
2: little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the the players bought, bought a lot of stuff to it that fleshed... You brought a lot of stuff to it that fleshed out the game, too. Nice. Yeah. I uh,
1: In my response to response to this and uh, I was trying to think of where where you kind of came in but I think my longest campaign was the Star Wars one there at the shop which was a little over two years but well, I couldn't remember that yeah yeah it, but I couldn't remember if you came in at the beginning of that or like after the first year or end of the first year I, I couldn't really remember but I know I you
2: After the first year is when I came into it. You've been playing. I was like, are you looking for new players? And you were like, yeah, sure. So I came back the following week with my Wookiee character. And (laughs) we played for a while. And then you guys blindly and stupidly allowed me to do a fill-in game for two
0: sessions
2: (laughs) within the the campaign. I didn't screw anything Mm. up. I just kind of did a kind of like the comic book version of a one-shot. And, yeah, it worked out.
1: Yeah, cuz that was about about at the 1 year mark is when I was like, okay guys, uh, you know, who wants to fill in a little, let's kind of shake it up and uh we start having kind of quote-unquote guest game masters or whatever and we kind of switch back and forth, which is a nice thing to do if uh, if you're out there listening and you don't do that, uh it really breathes a lot of life back into a game to kind of switch it up like that.
2: Yeah. And you know, and if you don't want them to touch your overall big story, just say, you know, just tell someone, "Hey, don't touch these two or three points." Because mm-hmm. that's something in my bigger game. Otherwise, knock yourself out. You know, don't hamstring them. Let them do what they want. Just and in return, they won't screw up your overall story. Also,
1: yeah, and you can always—I mean, you can always do some like uh, prelude stuff when you come back to your main story or whatever. Say, oh, these things that happened there, this magic item you got or whatever. It, you know, this is something that happened to it that now nullifies it coming back into the main storyline. I mean, it's people get worried about passing off game mastering, but. If you know your friends and you're, that you're gaming with, there, there's no risk there, man. It's it's fun to do, and it, it breathes new life into everything.
2: Well, and it worked in that Star Wars game because we had a player who was playing a Jedi-type character, even though we were in a time where there weren't Jedi, mm-hmm. and they really wanted a lightsaber. And you said, ah, oh, it's just bugging the hell out of me. to keep wanting one, and it doesn't really <laughs> fit with the theme. And so I gave, I in my little one-shot, I gave him a lightsaber, but it was a malfunctioning lightsaber. <laughs>
3: so, and they yeah. were not happy with that, I'm sure.
2: No, because they had to roll every time to see if the thing worked. And yeah. if it worked, how is it working? only time right. it was going to turn on and work right is if you rolled a six on that roll.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing like a Jedi duel when you're having performance issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Geez.
3: So, yeah. All right. That's our longest game. Like Very good. Yeah.
1: So, uh, again, if you're out there listening and you have questions for us or suggestions for our show topics... Fire those away. Uh we are at this old dungeon at gmail.com. Again, that's this old with no D. O L. (laughs) All right, no D. Dungeon at gmail.com. And that brings us to the main event. This old dungeon.
0: supposed to blow the bloody
1: doors off all right for this whole dungeon this week uh we've got one of my personal favorite games i mean luau lu's gotta love a Polynesian game right so this is the original dungeons and dragons x8 drums on fire mountain this is published in 1984 uh, This is part of the uh the United Kingdom uh, D&D wing of things. Uh, it was written by uh, Graham Morris, whose name's misspelled on the cover, by the way, which is kind of funny. Uh, and then also Tom Kirby. Uh, I think we mentioned before Tom Kirby went on to be one of the CEOs of Game Workshop, yeah. uh, Games Workshop, that is, and uh, then kind of had some falling out there. Well, I
2: did some research about that because I was a little curious about it. Uh, Graham Morris, I think that's actually how he spells his name because, you know, it's, it's this toity British thing to do. G R A M E <laughs> Morris. Uh,
1: so, so, yeah, so his spelling, because this threw me when I looked at it. Uh, it's G-R-A-E-M-E is how you're supposed yeah. to spell it. But on the cover of this module, is it, it? it is G-R-A-M-E. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, I've been misspelling his name all this time. And then I got online and was looking, and I saw other people say, "Oh no, no, they misspelled it on the cover," which is kind of funny because he was sort yeah. of like one of the Trinity of uh, producers over in the United Kingdom. Like he, I mean, he's kind of the United Kingdom equivalent to Gary Gygax, really. He
2: is. I in my notes for this, I, I he is effing metal because he it, just for this alone, he helped design the original Fiend Folio. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Tom Kirby, yeah, I was looking at this going, is this the same guy, you know? And I'm like, yeah, It's how many Tom Kirbys are game designers in, <laughs> you know? And that, he had a falling out, and boy, he, he was like reviled. Oh, yeah. At Games wow. Workshop and stuff. Oh, yeah, there's some great articles. Take it for what it's worth. There's one on 1D4chan.org. Uh, there's another one that's a little, uh, little more Little more fair, not by much, at Uh But, you know, and I had this, this epiphany while I was doing the research for this module that we're doing. Uh, since he's part of Games Workshop and Games Workshop does Warhammer, I've come up with what are the three types of Warhammer players. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Number one, those that love the game and play the game. Number two, yeah. those that can care less that's that's me a lot right? of <laughs> i don't you know i hmm, play uh play warhammer or make my car payment uh <laughs> make my car payment number three those that hate the game and still play it those uh, are the types of warhammer <laughs> players I, I gotta
0: admit
1: <laughs> not lately not since i've had kids but prior to kids i was in that third category i liked the game i thought the models were cool didn't like a lot of the history. It was just too much for me and absolutely hated the snobs that, uh, oh, you gotta yeah. have those figures painted. They're not regulation unless they're painted and you can't paint them that color. What the hell are you doing? They can't be
2: camouflage; They gotta be, you know, geez, give me a break. I'm just having fun here. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's like being a Patriots fan, you know, <laughs> being an indie, we, you know, New England Patriots. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing it's not that i have a problem with the new england patriots it's generally the new england patriots fans mm-hmm. you know but um yeah it's uh we played a a very short while uh it was the uh, it was a warhammer 40k rpg we played in for i don't know maybe a month or two but we just I, th- I think it was more of the game master, so we fell out of it. But anyway, this is not the Warhammer podcast. <laughs> no, this is not. We don't hate ourselves enough. To do a Warhammer <laughs> podcast. Um, uh,
1: so uh, the the art crew on this one was Brian Williams and Paul Ruiz. Uh, I I did some research on this, but you are always the one that seems to get the deep dive on the artists. So I want to let you go first.
2: Well, I didn't actually do any research on that. I was too busy looking at the Tom
1: Kirby <laughs> right.
2: online, and so. there's a lot of Tom Kirby hate online. Oh so it yeah, took
1: up my time. Which is kind of funny because if you look at like the uh, the evolution of Games Workshop, uh, yeah, I, I get it that you know there's a lot of things that people accuse them of there at the end. But I mean, it seems to me like he made that what it is. You know what I mean? He, he took it from being a, a kind of you know across the pond little game to being something that was worldwide and you know, a, a fierce competitor to any other company out there.
2: Well, he's, uh, there was Wizards of the Coast or who has some, there's a couple of different game companies that tried to have shops all over the world and stuff, you know, all over the United States. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but Games Workshop, they have a, there's a shop still open here in Indianapolis, you know, and there's shops open all over the place. They, you know, people might've hated him, but you know, yeah. There you go. But yeah. So what do you know about the artists here?
1: All right. So Brian Williams, not a whole lot. Uh, if, if you've played any of the late first edition, uh, early second edition stuff, you've seen a lot of his art. It's, it's got to, uh, it's, it's the art that has, uh, really defined lines in it and a lot of variation and shading so that you have like 20 different shades of gray within the same palette that kind of gives it the, the real deep look. um, but Paul Ruiz, he's the one that's most interesting. He's, he's the one that did the, uh, the map art for it. And he's done a lot of map art for D&D. And the thing that you'll notice about his map art is that he doesn't just draw the map. Uh, it's normally like a two-tone map where there's, there's some different coloring put in, usually greens or tans. And he has like isometric drawings, not like of the map itself, but like of, uh, oh, like for instance, uh, imagine it's a map of a wilderness. And then there's isometric mountains and an isometric uh, village and that sort of thing on there. Um, that's what he's really known for. They're beautiful maps. They're fun. They're kind of a little bit cartoony. Um, but what's cool about him is uh, Paul Ruiz is not his name. His real name is uh, uh, Jeff Wingate, or as we in Indiana would pronounce it, G-off Wingate. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, he was an actual architect. G. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he, he's... Uh, Graduated from architectural school uh, and just happened to answer an ad. Uh, and end up working for the uh, the UK division. He got out of gaming. Uh, well, it was actually his position was terminated when they closed down the UK division. Right. So he hasn't really been involved in gaming since. Uh, worked for a museum for a while. Taught uh, industrial design at a local technical college. And now he and a partner run this whole operation where they. They take salvaged furniture, like antique type stuff, repurpose it, refinish it in different ways and sell it as kind of art pieces or, or interesting furniture pieces. Um, there's a real cool interview with him online, but I have lost the link to that
3: The link. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But if you just, if you go and do an internet search for interview with D and D artist, uh, Jeff Wingate, again, it's spelled G E O F F. Um, It'll pull up, I'm sure, but he's a real interesting guy. So I've got that, and then uh, the only other thing I got on this module that's interesting is that it came from a 1981 uh, Games Fair or Origins Game Fair convention, and back then the the run of it at the convention was called Island of Death. So that's what I got.
2: Okay. Well, I have to say in one of my uh, one of my notes, the um I love the map work in this. It mm-hmm. is just awesome. It's gorgeous. Really cool. Um it reminds me a little bit and he definitely has a design aesthetic. Just a touch, not as not as busy as it, but it reminds me a bit of Goodman Games art because mm-hmm. he puts a little little accent art to it like on the on like, page, yeah, like
1: framing and stuff, yeah,
2: right. Like on page 34, it's uh, the Tekinura Ria. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the top of it, he's got like it looks like some tiki masks, and there's like some kind of lizard on a rock, and it just it just adds a nice little touch to it. Man, that's one of the things about this module I just think is top notch, yeah.
1: Um, yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I found a little bit interesting about it is uh, about 8384 is when you see this big shift in uh D&D modules where they go from being very sandboxy with very generic uh enemies and adversaries in them where the game master is is coming up with everything to an adventure more like this where it's still very open ended but you have like yeah. a definitive bad guy who's got a definitive motive or what have you. You know, you see this with of course uh Ravenloft but you also see it with like the the whole, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Desert of desolation series and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff like that. So this is really the beginning of that idea of, well, you know, what if we not only just made it sandboxy, but also had a plot going and a, in an adversary for you to interact with.
2: Yeah. That, uh, that was one of the things I noted uh, with, uh, within my notes and stuff is, um, it felt very sandboxy. I almost felt like, and, we might. I might be jumping the gun a bit. I. I think this is my problem with some sandbox adventures. They're they're almost too open ended, because mm-hmm. depending on your group it, and your game master, how open ended it is, you you could get you know, you might not get a lot of uh, <clears throat> progress in your overall story or plot. You know, uh, I'm one of these. I like uh, a a timeline going on. Is that, yeah, this is very sandbox. This is what what you're going to do. But here's what's going on in the background, and if or if you do things that affect the story or affect the plot or these other characters and the NPCs, this may shift. But if you don't, these events are going to occur, or they might occur in a slightly different order depending on your actions. I like that timeline part of it because, mm-hmm. you know...
1: It, it adds that pressure that's needed to, to make the game some, progress for motivation. somewhere.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's got to go somewhere. Uh, so... You know that, that, that would be one of my critiques of it. So, but uh, that, that's just my style. But you know that's something you can add to it too as a game master. I've always said the people who don't understand how to run a module think of it as a script. You are going to interpret it as the director, and your players are your <laughs> actors. Right. You know.
1: Well, just kind of an overview for those of you that have never read this module or aren't aware of it. Um, so, this is a set in like a Polynesian sort of uh, isle. Uh, I mean we can maybe delve into a little bit this idea of whether this is offensive
2: or not oh (laughs) Uh, I wrote several notes about that I did some research uh, on this
1: but, but the idea is you have this aisle of these green skinned basically orcs that are very Polynesian, You know, they have the tattoos, they have the big, you know, fro hair and, and the wooden weapons with shark teeth embedded in them and all this. We, and, we uh, should put
2: a, we should put a picture of the modules cover on our Facebook.
1: First, for sure. It'll be, uh, when I release this episode, I'm definitely going to get that, that nice, uh,
2: <laughs> nice work fro going here. Yeah. Hey, it's good artwork. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is for what it represents. It's yeah.
3: great artwork. Um,
2: yeah, it's that, uh,
1: Brian Williams, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, uh, we're and we're gonna end, we're, we'll get to this, you know. Are elements of this uh, of this module racist? I'm gonna say <laughs> yes and no, but yes we'll and get no. to
3: yes.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, so there's this island with these uh, strange orcs and ships that go by the island get attacked by this fog where these uh, just like phantom creatures come out of the fog and basically kill everybody, and then the orcs go out and raid the ship. Uh, and it's all kind of at the whimsy of this uh, magician who, who left the main island because he contracted lycanthropy, went to this island where he's kind of uh, adored as a god because he, he takes on a wereboar form. And in this island, they worship a, a pig god. So uh, <laughs> you are basically sent out to figure out what's going on with the ships and to try to nullify that. Uh, I got some opinions about that, that starting you know, seed there, but uh, uh, that's kind of the, the the game in a nutshell. Oh, well, I guess one more important factor: um, the guy that sends you out happens to know, for whatever reason, that these uh, orcs are doing the ceremony during the next you know couple weeks, where they're inside these caves beating these drums. So it's like the opportune time to go because you know they're all you know hidden away, and you're not going to run into right. them that
3: much. Right. They're in the caves. Yeah. yeah,
2: I get the idea. He read the National Geographic article about. It. <laughs> <laughs> he did well I, that was one of the He did
3: things. his homework you're right <laughs> yeah
2: and i think you you might agree with me well that's you know pay no attention to the man behind the curtain we're just going to hand wave that and go oh on. yeah yeah um, uh where do we
1: want to start do we want to we always kind of I, I never feel like i quite get everything out because I feel like uh, I'm always turning you guys around different directions as we talk about a module. Do we want to talk about like the things we would keep and that we like about it, or do we want to just kind of take it as it comes, go through it sequentially? I don't know. What What do you think?
2: Well, um, here, you know, I'm just gonna let's just let's just start talking and see what happens. But, All right, uh, we'll do that. It's, again. <laughs> it's, it's 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 somewhat working for us. Um, uh, one of the things. Okay, I'm just gonna just uh since it is very sandbox you know it's not like it's a uh point a to point b c d sort of adventure you know we can jump around a little bit um sure. uh like for for instance this this guy that comes back that has this boar pig lycanthropy you know that's awfully convenient that you just happen to have pig lycanthropy. You're a <laughs> werepig. and you go to an island where they we're worship pigs. pigs. Are gods. Right now, Briggy, you you work in banking software support, yes. and you there is a company I, or there is a banking. Is a, mm-hmm. Tell is. tell us about them without giving anything away. <laughs> What's okay. This? Well, because so, she has their certain proprietary information, that she yeah, can't yes, share. I can't
3: like divulge, but they're an and. You know, and of course, it's going to be like our luck and somebody out there will be like, oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, There is a little island of which um, we support one of the banks on this island. And the big thing on that island is that you if you um, wanted to show that you have a lot of money and wealth and prosperity, you will you have pigs on that (laughs) island. You will have pigs on your land. Um, And that is a thing. Um, When somebody told me about this, I kind of joked and said, and they drink orange soda because it reminded me of Joe and the big volcano. Joe versus 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 the volcano. volcano. That's what you always
2: call that. Hey, that's Joe versus the volcano bank.
3: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) And um, it's always interesting to uh, work with them. Um, and they're great people. Don't get me wrong, but that is one of the things. That is a real thing. That you know, that is something. I don't know. I don't think that they like you know are um uh praising it or anything. But that's like one of the signs of prosperity. Is not a Mercedes Benz. It is a. It's pigs.
2: <laughs> yeah, their economy okay. is based on the pig, which. Yeah. <laughs> You know. So there you go. Hey, there's you know why and and not to make it too light of a joke, but he even here in the US, you know, once upon a time, you know, you uh you were rich based on how many uh heads of cattle you had or how many horses you owned. Well, or I tell something you, like my that. Dad, you, know?
1: you know, uh you know, we, we were farmers and uh my dad when we drive by a pig farm and you get that stink, you know, rolling in the oh window God. here in India. Oh yeah. You know, he'd always say, Oh, that's the smell of money, boy. That's the smell of money. (laughs) Nowadays, pig farmers will tell you otherwise because, you know, you can't make nothing raising pigs nowadays. But, uh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's all over India. We got a lot of pig farms in Indiana, too. So, but yeah.
1: I've got a couple fixes here because I I agree with you that, uh, that the whole setup for why the, the, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, every, every, every all that's Colna, the other thing in this Colna book, Ka, man. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 The. Uh, I
2: wrote it down here. Call Yeah. Uh, Everything's got a
1: weird name. name in this book, and I, you know, before the show, I was talking with them, and I said, you know, if I'm DMing this, I'm going to make a short list of all these crazy names. I'm going to practice it a million times because otherwise, I'm stumbling through this every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mean, that's a lot. But so yeah, it's convenient why he's there, and I don't like why the players are there either. I don't get you know nope. this how did this guy survive with you. What and yeah. what's he really thinking you're going to do against this phantom fog? I mean, I, well, I
2: don't... In, in today's sensibility of, of writing games and running games and stuff, we don't, you don't need this framing, uh, framing uh, thing of being, you know, if this is more or less, um, uh, this is, hold on. I'm going to find my note because I wrote it out just so it'd make a lot more sense, but we don't need this kind of framing moment anymore. Uh, yeah. The plot is over. The plot is like this quote the the pcs get hired to do a thing like protect a caravan or found out why x has happened or why is this village being attacked or we want you to take this ring and walk all the way across the world and throw it into a volcano (laughs) or or something like that right um you know it's it's not needed anymore uh you don't have to meet at the end and be approached yeah this is just it's it's uh you know, if you think about it, you have all these what I would call Eastern and Western European types, which is what most D and D of the time was, and you need an excuse to get them into a Polynesian South Seas setting. Mm-hmm. It was a MacGuffin sort of thing. It's all it was. Here you go, go do this thing, just so we can do this kind of adventure. Uh, you know. So do you and have a six? I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, I got two fixes, actually. Uh, Uh,
1: I I actually also have a fix. So uh, you you go with your first one, then I'll hit, then you go, and then Briggy, chime in here with what you're thinking, too. don't
2: want to push uh, you out here. One fix is really to not fix anything, and you don't get sent to the island at all. Uh, You could take this adventure and plop it into the middle of a campaign that's already set in this type of setting, or maybe you're doing a pirate campaign, or maybe you're doing some kind of sea campaign, and this is just, you know, it's like uh, a stopover or something. Th- yeah, this is one yeah, of the adventure's
3: you, you see in the something or, story. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. So so like you're crap. on the
2: boat that gets attacked
3: by the. You're fall. on the boat, right? And, yeah. Or yeah, you're well, part that of a gives crew you the crew. the of what is going on at least.
2: Right. It doesn't even need a setup. You just go with that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we need that at all. Uh, it could be done that way. You know, uh, make it part of an ongoing sea campaign. Uh, uh, something else is the tribal people can encounter the PCs. Maybe they get shipwrecked there. Mm. You know. So there's a if if you gotta have this adventure in here, you there's a couple of ways. Anyway, what's what's one of your fixes there?
1: So mine kind of fixes both angles, uh, but I'm not saying it's good. It's just what I would come up with. So the, right. the 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 wizard that has the lecanthropy. Um, He's probably wanting to get rid of it. He probably realizes what a, a boon it is to to carry around. And uh, so maybe he hears or, 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 or does research that kind of puts lycanthropy like from this island. Like this is the island where patient zero was. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So he, he seeks the island out uh, to try to find the origin of the disease and how he can cure himself. Uh, and then I thought this would be cool if in your campaign, one of your characters gets lycanthropy and reads about this wizard who was all into research to try to cure it and then has to locate him and realizes, oh, the last known location was he went off to this island to study it. Uh, And so you go to the island to meet with him to try to get rid of your lycanthropy.
2: Oh, I've Uh, I've got a riff off of your idea, too. Go for it. Um, uh, the, the idea is yeah, you're right. He does have this pig lycanthropy. He does want to get rid of it. He's actually not on the island because one of the uh, other NPCs is his daughter on the island as well. Mm-hmm. She could be there researching for her father or something. Ah. Oh. anyway he finds this groups of group of uh adventurers he infects one of them with that to give them the motivation to you know it's it's all about him he inflicts this disease upon them to get them to do his dirty work for him
1: yeah i definitely can see that because i'm in my mind this is uh this guy is like dr moreau man this is like you know yeah. marlon brando and the remake of that you know this big fat sweaty kind of uh you know weighty fellow that just commands a little respect and uh has all this diabolical stuff going on in his lab you
2: yeah. <laughs> know yeah no, I, that's, that's it uh brigie do you got an do you have an idea for this one
3: um another type of idea would be um like uh to have adventures finally go on a vacation and they end up on there
2: <laughs> 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 oh, that's, that's, that's excellent. It's oh. like they're, oh, yeah. They're so they're ready, ready for uh, They just want to uh, sit on the their, beach with their fancy coconut piece. drink with an umbrella in it. And yeah. That is great. I love that one. Oh. <laughs> that's a hoot. That, you know what? This has been this old dungeon. Thank you. <laughs> <for me. laughs> Hang it up on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: I, did I drop the mic? I didn't mean to. I was just like, <laughs> that's my yeah, idea. <laughs> Like, you know, wouldn't it be really funny if, you know, your adventures are, like, ready for a vacation and they end up yeah. there?
2: <laughs> Isn't that the plot of one of the Scooby-Doo movies, too? You know, <laughs> Who knows? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know, as I was reading this, I just kept getting this whole Jungle Cruise vibe, like, from Disneyland mm-hmm. Disney World. And I mean the ride.
3: Yeah, the
2: ride. The ride yeah. Make the horrible jokes. And, you know, you're taking the, you know, because we went to Disney last year. Thank God it was last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we went to Disney World and stuff, and we did Jungle Cruise. And, yeah, that's, that's another, you know, that's another bit about it. So, I,
1: yeah. I guess I did have one other thing. There, there's these three uh, charmed individuals that work as kind of the underlings for, uh, I always forget the guy's name, Kala Kalna Ka. Oh
0: my God! Oh my
1: God! It's almost a right. Temple of Death kind of thing, isn't it? Or Temple of Doom. I mean, but anyhow, uh maybe one of those is like one of the PC's relatives or something, and they they got to try to find them, rescue them, whatever. But yeah, it's. uh I, I think you know, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. But nowadays, anything that's not almost media res, where you're just starting the adventures out in some cool scene of action, just isn't worth it. I mean, it just you know it takes so long to build up momentum. If they're not already doing something cool.
2: That's true. That's, that's done a lot now. It's gotta be right in the middle of it. Um, uh, Another thing. So would you add anything to the overall plot? Because I I, I was looking at this plot of this whole thing and I thought, okay, they can go, they've got the ceremony thing, they want to find this, they want to find that. It seemed to me that one of my problems with this adventure was, more or less, it was a standard Dungeons & Dragons adventure, but with the uh, trappings of a South Seas adventure just pasted over it.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
2: And that was my first, first thing I got from it. I'm like, because there's even some standard... Uh, there's some nuke monsters in here, and they're in the back of the book, and we're going to get to that. Yeah, I love uh, some. Of the- monsters in this book but go ahead yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you know but then there's also a lot of like regular ones there's gelatinous cubes there's they go through like all the slimes they got like gray ooze they got green slime yeah so yeah, I, yeah
3: they so have some kind of ochre jelly that's kind yeah of interesting uh, sounding to me they
2: have uh displacer beasts there's undead like there's shadows well undead's undead i get yeah. that that's you know that can be kind of the same sort of thing but i'm surprised they didn't do something like really cool like i'm thinking i would add a few i would I would want to create most of the monsters in this from scratch. Try Either, to direct
1: them like towards a real Polynesian myth right, or legend, folklore. right? I,
2: like we were talking before we started recording about how you can take like uh, apples and you shrink them down, and you can you know decorate them up, and they can look like shrunken heads or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. what if they were shrunken heads that could float and attack and bite and you know? The well, like, and they, that, I gotta
1: give them credit to. I mean, they they got a little bit of that going on with the uh, the topi, the like little shrunken zombies, mm-hmm. which I just love, man. You guys remember the movie trilogy of terror? No. Okay, I, I guarantee if you look it up, it's one you've seen. I guarantee it. But it has uh, one of the episodes in it. It's like a, one of those anthologies where it's like three tales of horror. Um, the third one is the one with the. It's got this like wooden fetish that's real Polynesian looking and it comes to life in like a this lady and uh it's so fast and so like vicious looking uh whenever i think of these
2: topees i always think of that that fetish from the uh, oh i think i've thing. seen it yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah
2: okay well there there is one thing i would say now you could do some things with this to to make it easier on you as a game master running the game um you could do things like um like they do the, they do do this in the game um <laughs> but i would just make it a little more like, they've got four, four uh, it's on page 11 in an encounter, long corridor, there's a rock-hewn passage stretches before you, filled with faint but persistent rhythm of beating drums. So they give that, and you find out there's these, uh, and it goes into this room with statues in it. And here, the four wooden boat-headed statues with humanoid bodies face inwards from the corners. And these are four wood golems, okay? Uh-huh. I love this encounter, by the way. Go ahead. Right, but and that's cool. Uh, and so you can save yourself a lot of time. It's like, uh, okay, I'm actually using skeletons, but I'm gonna have them be—they're not—they're skeletons made from bamboo or something. That's so what can, I was
1: picturing with this one—is that these are like these tiki, these giant tiki idols, you know? Because it right. talks about if you burn them, they give off this noxious smell, that, you know, which is like tiki oil or whatever. Uh, so that was—I was thinking, you know, these shell embellished, you know, big. Tiki idols that are just right. scary as hell looking. And then they come to life.
2: <laughs> right. I just think the one thing that would help, it's maybe some people aren't as creative like that, but you can take the stats and you can kind of, you know, cut and paste something over. Mm-hmm. And, and make that work. Yeah, that, um, that
1: narrative really changes things for people. Yeah,
2: right. And I would maybe make that a little more explicit. You can use the same stats, adjust them very slightly to make them unique. But yeah, something like that. The, the, those wood golems can actually, you know, you could make. Uh, I could use skeletons on the island, but I decide they're 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 magical creations. They're not actually undead, um, but they are made from bamboo on the island, and you know, it's it's this weird. You think it's really cute, and it's they the Use a, a coconut for the for the for the head, and you know. But it could be really creepy if you want to do it. But uh, that little extra, you know, creativity added to this would have brought a lot more to the to the module. Um, uh, one of well, the things. Oh, go
1: ahead. Nope. Uh, I, I was just going to say we were talking about the plot and that you know it just isn't really strong. And that's there are two things. One, my, my main complaint about this module, and I love this module. Uh, I've used it. I've never played it in D and D, but I've used it in like five other games, just parts of it. But uh, the, the whole idea of this ceremony, these drums on Fire Mountain, really cool, right? You get to the island and you're hearing these distant drums, and, and it means something, and it you know puts panic in the uh, player's heart. But there's no description of what the ceremony is about, why yeah, they're
2: doing why it, and what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I've got something for that. What? What's your um, solution? My solution, and this is one of the things, and this will also tie into what I think is some of the unfortunate racism that does happen with this game with some of the, the NPC monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do two different bands of, uh, they're called the Karakara. They are the big monsters. You could do two different bands on the island because there's two volcanoes on this island. Mm-hmm. What if you had two jungle gods. One was good. One was evil. Maybe they weren't, doesn't matter, but you had two different tribes of Karakara followed the God of one volcano and ones followed the God of this other volcano. Uh, so you could add a little more danger. Uh, I got to jump in real quick. To it. It, uh, j- just
1: to piggyback. If you had one of them be like a human God and one of them be the pig God, and then you have that Lakanthrope who's playing both sides, you know? Oh,
2: there you go. Beautiful. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, no, that's good. We, I like it when we riff like this. Um, you know, and that was one of the ideas that I had was to add a little more plot, maybe add a little more danger to it, you know, because at some point I think it would be really good if the ceremony completed and then suddenly you realize, oh, crap, they're going to be coming out of the mountain now.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's Instead the of thing, us going into
2: them. They're going to come out to us.
1: Yeah. It, it, I I feel like to make this game really pay off and to make the title really have a punch, you got to have it so that the players never want those drums to stop. Like the biggest fear in their mind is those drums stopping. <laughs>
2: I'd almost want right. to get a, a, a little recording to put it off very soft and maybe at the end of the table. And it's just, you know, maybe find it at the library or find it online. Some drumming. You probably could find some South Seas, Polyponesian drumming sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. And let it mm. just whatever it is, right? And then you hit stop on it. And then everyone at the table is going to look at you and they're going to look at that recorder. And then, if you really want to get a start, it again. That's <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things you could do. Um, that would be a great element. And then you hit it, maybe do that a few times and it stops and they don't think about it. And then that one time, you don't start it again. And I think you're going to get a, a nice visceral reaction from your players.
1: When I was thinking maybe tying the ceremony to maybe the, the, the nature of the island itself maybe like it activates the volcanoes or something. And there's like some sort of sea change that happens while the characters are hearing the drumming, you know, clouds start to, you know, coalesce on the Island and winds pick up and all this.
2: I don't know that I just, there has to be something more powerful about that ceremony. I agree. I think it's, it's a little lacking and that's, you know, uh, and here's another thing that's lacking. There is a section of this module that's called Trail of the Dead, mm-hmm. and it's between the two volcanoes. I would call it Trail of the Meh. There's yeah. not a whole lot. It's like it was something called Trail of the Dead, there's not a whole lot of danger or menace in it.
1: It's not even decorated with any, you know, I would want like, you know, skeletons like bound up in some sort of weird ceremonial position. You could have shrunk, you
2: could have, I hear there'd be a tree right in the middle of it, a ginormous, huge tree Mm -hmm. filled with thousands of shrunken heads. Yeah. Yeah. It, would... You, you got to describe it as like an
1: apple tree or some sort of fruit tree that you know, and then they approach then they it and oh no, these the aren't r- apples.
2: <laughs> right, you know, and they even turn and their mouths open. They're like ah, you know, <laughs> you, know every, you you could get everyone to if you do it right, you make everyone jump when you do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, Absolutely. I just like the Trail of the Dead, and I'm like, well, I didn't have time to, re- I wanted to peruse through it, and there were a few sections, and I've read most of it, but then there were a few sections I wanted to come back to and really give it a good once over, right? And one of it was, I looked, Trail of the Dead, oh, that's got to be cool, so I made sure to read that section, and I'm like,
0: I it want my 20. money back.
2: I buy- <laughs> I mean, <it's> okay. <laughs> you know, um but yeah, I thought Trail of the it was a little... It yeah. Just for having these volcanoes on this island, they don't do much with it. No, they don't. You can go in there and you can go into the catacombs and things like it, that. It, and the maps around the
1: volcano are all really cool. And there's a lot of good set pieces there in the maps. But you're right, like, the exact effect of the volcano isn't used too greatly. I mean, you got some fire elemental stuff in the one volcano. Other than that, not really.
2: Right, yeah, I just... Um... Another thing I think that is not used too well is there's another NPC race called the Manwu Papas, <laughs> the Mamas and the Papas, mm-hmm. the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, but it's <laughs> Manwu Papas. I don't know if that's a real word that they, you know, fiddled around with. And the and the art and the map for those are very cool. The there's no payoff there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean I they're basically
1: it, just like spell using versions of the Kara Kara,
2: right. Yeah. and then they were like the ancestors on the island or something.
1: Well, okay, no, the, so the ancestors—I I get the confusion now. So the the uh, Manwu Papas—they took over like the ancestral tombs and like replaced them with their own stuff and plastered over the old statues and stuff. Uh, but the ancestors are never named. It's this like mysterious race that used to exist on the island, you know, at the dawn of history. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, but and you're right on, there's no payoff on that. There's some interesting things. Uh, I mean, the, these ancestors are described as being, like, lanky and having, you know, giant foreheads, and there's all this, like, crystal stuff. I mean, it almost gets into the, the Indiana like, Jones
2: crystal skull right. stuff, you know? Well, it even, it, it even sounds right. like uh, it could be something like Easter Island heads, but there's yeah, no Easter yeah. Island heads on the island. No, right. it, it, and so, yeah,
1: adding some of these relics of those ancestors and, and giving the players more of a, a way to... Uh, reconcile the idea that you know the Karakara are actually uh, non-indigenous to this island, and that the ancient race you know has disappeared. Um, I mean, they can maybe assess that from like some of the statues. They talk about them being covered in plaster and painted, and then when you chip away the plaster, the the ancestral forms underneath with like some embellishments and things, gold earrings and whatnot. Well,
2: you, well, you could add a, a real color, you could add a real Lovecrafty and oh, yeah. sort sort of thing to this.
1: Yeah, you can maybe link that with this ceremony. Maybe they're they're calling back, you know, the great Cthulhu. I mean, you know, something like that. I, yeah,
2: yeah. I but but when I looked at those tombs, I thought, okay, th- I was thinking of the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he's going into the tomb to get this fertility oh, yeah. item, yeah. and there's all these traps and stuff. And I'm like, oh, we've got three different things that have these three different traps, and maybe <laughs> there's a puzzle to this and whatever. And I'm like, there's not really anything. You just kind of open the door and go in.
1: <laughs> you know, there's not as there's the, the, to get through the portal through the stone uh, pediments, there I, I do got to say I kind of like that. They had some interesting little. They're not hard, but they're you know like one of them. There's pictures of uh, this weird native looking thing. Yeah, in for some, like hieroglyphs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and if you and follow that. the positions, if you do the dance that the the native is doing in the pictures, then it opens up. Another one has like these touchstones you got to do. Well,
2: and then I would even go a step further and come up with this dance, and then you know you'll get extra. Uh, um, I'll give you a little bit on your role. If you will get up and give me a dance, dance. Like, Get right at the table, give me the dance. dance. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly we've gone from RPG to LARPing. Yeah. Yep. yep.
1: Um,
3: I know a few people that will do the dance.
2: Oh yeah. We
1: would dance. In a heartbeat, man. Oh yeah. But, yeah. um, the, uh, the ancestors, here's another place that, that they kind of took a swing, but didn't, didn't get it over the fence. Uh, there's that chamber that's like, uh, it circles around one of the volcano uh, uh, shafts, and it's got like these old iron chairs and these crystal balls that sit next to the iron chairs that show images yeah, of yeah. everything around the complex. I would I one up that a, a couple different ways, man. I'd make that more like it's a spaceship, have the balls have different energy powers and things. Um, the cloaks have, that they use yeah. to go through the portal, same thing. I would make those. I would do, like, a, a mashup and have those be, like, technological in origin from the oh, ancients. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. That would be very cool. You know, and if you wanted to go for, like, a deep dive, you could do something like, um, oh, what is the adventure? I cannot think of it. I have a copy downstairs. What's the, um, what's the science the fiction? No, t- science fiction D&D adventure. Expedition to the Barrier, Barrier peaks. peaks. Yeah. I would almost do it if you've played it. Do a t- do a throwback to that, oh, so it's an yeah. Easter egg for the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and because we, you've always said, and I've always agreed that if you play Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, it pretty much is a campaign ender if you're doing a campaign, because it really just takes a dynamic shift yeah. to your to your game. You know, um, but yeah, you know that would be a great way to you know either tie it into the Cthulhu or into the more of the, the UFO sort of thing. And it, you know, it's just, this is a good module. It could be a great module. Yeah. It
3: could be. I think it lacks a lot of creativity with the monsters too. Okay. So yeah, if like anyone from
2: Goodman games <laughs> is listening,
3: <laughs>
2: you can contract Lou and I will do a revamp of this for fifth edition. Just hire us to do it. Yeah. That's all I got to say, because <laughs> we'll knock it out of the park. Yeah, um, <laughs> we got some ideas. Yeah, so uh, another thing I'm going to say is, uh, right at the very beginning, I'm jumping around since we're jumping around a bit. They have this. Um, there's a voyage at the start. You get the, you get the quest from your muckety muck lord, and you go to the island. And it literally says in the module, the voyage is rough but uneventful, <laughs> boring. Now cool. there is something to be said. <laughs> to just get to the adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, Dungeon Crawl Classics does that a lot. We we skip over the extraneous parts. The odds are if you need to, you know, you as the Game Master will add what you need for your game to that,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to get to the gates of the dungeon. That's your part. We're not going to tell you how you're going to do that. We're going to give you this, and you're going to apply it however you want to. That's, you know, that's that. I think at least a random encounter table for the Voyage would be good. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, maybe maybe if you could
1: do something that would ramp up their anxiety about the island, you know, Ah. like a derelict ship that maybe, you know, drifted away from the island has crazy sailors on it or something. I don't know.
3: Some kind of hints along the way would be cool. Like warnings or forebodings or something.
1: Uh, The the other obnoxious thing is that the the captain of your ship knows exactly where to go around the island so that you don't encounter the fog it's like, well, if they know how not to encounter the fog, why are we even here, you know? Just always take that side of the island when you come by, you know?
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, not everyone, you know, uses Google Maps. Some people still <laughs> use MapQuest.
1: It's a closely guarded secret.
2: Yeah. Um, I felt this game had a real, there's a uh, Robert E. Howard Conan's short story called The Jewels of Gualur. And there's a few other Conan stories that, that this would fit really well with that. Um, a Solomon Kane sort of story. There's a Savage Worlds version of that would work really well with this. And of course, a pulp style campaign. You could use Gervs or Savage Worlds or our favorite Hollow Earth Expedition.
1: Uh, And and I tell you, you know, like I said, I've I've never played this as a Dungeons and Dragons module, but I've used it a lot in games. I've used it in Star Wars before. I've used it in uh, Hollow Earth with my own son. Uh, I've used it in a, um, no, what's the system? Uh, champions, um, okay. and it's always been you know a, a more modern you know pulp era 40s 50s kind of setting aside from Star Wars, which I just it was an asteroid floating out in space, and I, I mostly just used the maps. It was like a spice mine kind of thing. Oh, but, that worked.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. Even uh, the color room's a little boring.
1: Yeah.
3: They have this room where it just changes colors, and then <laughs> I guess you roll, I guess, and then something happens together. Well, first, you, you go get a into different shirts.
1: Her color, yeah.
2: Well, what it is is the curse is like the ecstasy. You take it and see the colors, and you know, <laughs> that's all this is. It's a, it's a club. You know, this plays into you. They went into this plays into your idea of that you just go to this island to have a vacation, and this is the dance club on the island. <laughs> oh, if oh man, I can if see it, man. Just like it, Fantasy you know, Island. I don't know, I don't know what things. happens to the
3: mirror rooms then. <laughs> Um,
2: yeah you know what i see this really having a if you really wanted to take this and turn it up to 11 and just be all kinds of crazy this would make a dungeon crawl classics rpg or mutant crawl classics game a lot of a lot of the elements of this would work for that Mm -hmm. uh one thing i i had an idea of is if you played this game and you're doing everything and so you call you think of this idea of you know, maybe they're pulling up this Cthulhu kind of monster or something like this. I had this being part one of a two part game where now the ceremony stops and they have summoned hog Kong, <laughs> you know, kind of like uh, in the King Kong movie. Now you've got Kaiju. I'm going to bring Kaiju into this game. And now we got this whole other thing. Cause it's, it jumps off the Island and starts heading towards the mainland. <laughs> Now we've got kaiju in D anD D, which we have already. There's all yeah. kinds of kaiju monsters, you know that that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, it's a good module. It's not a great module. And the, the Kai, uh,
1: kaiju thing, I got to throw this out here real quick. So, part the, the only thing that's interesting on the trail of death, in my opinion, is at the very end. It has this platform that goes out into the swamp, and then there's a hydra living in the swamp that basically attacks anyone that goes to that platform. But to me that I mean that's that's where you throw your kaiju in, is it's like that's you know, somehow the ceremony is about, you know, like sacrificing people to the, the monster in the swamp. Maybe use the hydra, maybe not. Put something more interesting, you know, Hong Kong in there. But uh, yeah. I,
2: I don't know about you, but if there was this trail of death and I was a local on the island and there was a you know platform that went out into the swamp and then at the end of the swamp is a hydra. Unless I'm throwing a sacrifice out there, I'm I'm burning down that damn platform and yeah. I'm not going out there. <laughs> It's an unneeded trail. I don't want to go right. there. You know, it's like that's that. You know, it's it's that great scene in uh, Tenacious D's Pick of Destiny when uh, the guy is telling them, "Come over here, so I will cut you," and they look at them and go, "No,
0: no, <laughs>
2: <laughs> go on the trail of death. Walk to the end and sacrifice yourself, sacrifice yourself to the Hydra." Um, no, no.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: Mm. So along with that idea of bad ideas. And so you mentioned in the, when I was texting you earlier this week that you had an idea about this because there's a big thing going on in D&D right now uh, where they, a lot of people, and I'm sure uh, most of the people listening to this podcast are on one side of this argument, that certain representations of the races in Dungeons and Dragons are racist. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have talked about the uh, about this a little bit, and I think overall I do not agree with that because it's people who add that to that. I don't think that was ever the game designers that mm-hmm. intended to do that because mostly the game designers base this off of Tolkien's idea of... I, I've, I've done a lot of research on this. Tolkien's ideas of elves and dwarves and, and orcs and things like that. And his idea took the ideas that orcs and goblins but specifically orcs were more like fallen or corrupted elves Elves, like like and it's not like someone did that too because there's a lot of race there's a lot of racism and and racism theory that talks about how african-american or whatever
1: yeah yeah,
2: people of color uh, you know are inferior you know evolutionarily from uh, your european white people there's no science for that and if there is science it's quackery okay (laughs) Um, but the whole idea, I, the original idea between orcs and elves was that maybe it were, there was some god or twisted wizard or something that did these horrible experiments on people, maybe not, whatever, but I always got the idea it was more like angels and demons than than, you know. Racism in humans, like elves were this pinnacle of creation and then, you know, someone took them and twisted them and they became the orcs and there was never a racial element to that. Mm. So that's where I, I fall onto this argument that people yeah. put that in there.
1: I'm in the same right. boat. I've always kind of thought that, you know, you've got the forces of good and the forces of evil and they've got their own creations that are meeting things out uh, here on the, the realm or well, whatever.
2: The, the whole argument that orc people represent... Uh, African American and people of color people only comes into play is if you don't have people who are of different ethnicities who are also PCs, which obviously that does not happen. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of of races and cultures in D anD D that are based off of Japan and they're based off of Europe. There's some that are based off of Mexico. You know, you've got mm. all of this stuff. So if a lot if, of
1: Arabian stuff.
2: Though. Oh yeah, Al Qadim. Um, if there were no black people in Dungeons and Dragons, then I would say, okay, that's pretty racist, but that's not there. I just don't see that. Now, that said, the Kara <laughs> people in this module are racist as F.
1: It yeah. absolutely. is. <laughs> this Being my is my favorite module. i got to begrudgingly say that, yeah, looking at it today, I was
2: kind of like, man, a little racist. embarrassment. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, Mm -hmm. because if you look at the module, if you look at that cover, Google it right now, or look on our Facebook page when it gets up there. um, That's horrible. Uh, They're, they're, they're supposed to be kind of based off of pygmy peoples. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's the actual ethnic term. There's pygmy people in Africa. There's pygmy people in the South Seas. They're very different. Really, the only thing, uh, there's some physical similarities, but culturally, they can be very, very different. Uh, There's a lot of misconceptions about them, uh, no matter where they are whether in Africa or elsewhere, but there's no science to back any of that up. Uh, Like one of them is their direct descendants of stone age hunter hunting gatherer people. No science to back that up. There's no reason for that. Um, The, the whole stereotype of violent headhunter pygmy tribes are a bit of a stereotype. Now that said, they really were and are headhunter pygmy tribes. that really
1: do do that, but But it's not all of them and it's not, you know, it's not even common. It's just,
2: Occasional. but a, it, it, my, sociology minor, I'm going to do this one thing. I'm a sociology minor in, in college. Okay. And one of the things a stereotype is when you say all people are this way, a generalization is a legitimate sociological technique to say some people are mm-hmm. this way. It's not everyone, some people, and it doesn't matter about, you know, skin color or what some people are this way. And some people are that way. That's just people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and, um, uh, this, this whole – because what I find horrible about this is they've taken these people, and they're very much based on a real ethnicity, and they've said they are basically – I believe the words are in the module – they are an offshoot of orcs. So they've taken a real ethnicity and now some combined it with what is basically a fallen race of evil creatures. Mm. Well, that's racist. That's racist as F, man. I'm telling you right now. Mm-hmm. And if that was not their original intent, I don't think it was. It yeah. doesn't make it that it's not racist now. It's just, exactly. it, it's it's
1: not well thought out. It, no. It, so, I mean, lazy, it, right? here's the thing. Like, if this module doesn't exist, then, th- then then it's like nobody ever thought of what a wonderful and exciting realm the South uh, Seas is. Like, like, it's like they never, you know, put into writing all the creative and interesting stories and dangers and explorations that you could have in that environment. So I, I want this module to exist. Uh, it, it's a neat and different flavor. And, and as a purveyor of the world, I, I, I love it all. I'm interested in all the cultures and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the failure to me comes in the idea of that here we have a representation of the people of this part of the world. And instead of, Instead of painting it as you know, well, this is a group of those people that act this sort of way. The only contact you have of people that represent those kind of people are, you know, these villainous ones. And right. unlike orcs, which are, you know, in my opinion, have nothing to do with any real race in the world, as you can see on the cover, these are intentionally meant to look like South Seas people. I mean, they're, they're dressed, their mannerisms, mm-hmm. their, uh, you know, their hairstyles, their their builds, uh, everything about them. And the module does mention that there are other Karakara people on other islands that go to war with these guys. I don't know if that's suggesting that not all of them are bad and maybe there's some good ones out there to fight against these guys. I don't know, but it's just not enough for me. I, I, I think your idea of splitting it into two volcanoes and having two different tribes with different perspectives and different views of how they treat aliens to their land, um, that, that might be a good, good fix for that kind of problem.
2: Well, and then on top of that, if you look at, there's some artwork, we should probably post this, um, this is old, of uh, Kalnaka, and then yeah. there's a picture of his daughter Marie. Um, they, are, they are basic white people mm-hmm. that are more or less, it seems like they mm-hmm. are subjugating you know, I, I, I put a, I put yep. a note in my notes, you know, is this a remnant of British imperialism? Well, and,
1: and I think, and, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think you're right. I think it speaks to the idea of colonial powers coming in and, and, and trying to dominate cultures that, mm-hmm. you know, like it talks in this book about, you know, this culture has not developed uh, iron work yet. Um, and, you know, here's a culture that has and, they, you, know, you know, that's historic. And I think there's a story to be told there in, in you know, I don't know, but it... <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 here's the other thing: is it's it's trying to match a genre uh, of this whole island fiction, uh, pulp era island fiction, and these are all you know very common. These are the tropes tropes uh, yeah, of that fiction, funny. and so it's like you can you can dismiss them, and, and you can come up with something more creative and different, but then you're not hitting those familiar notes that people that want to play in that type of fiction are looking for.
2: Well, it's. Um... Well, look, okay, we mentioned it earlier in Raiders of the Lost Ark. um, Mm -hmm. It's almost like the the tribe that Belloc uh, cons because he speaks, too bad you don't speak Jovitos, you know. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, it's the same sort of thing. He's using them to get to Indy, but if they knew what was, you know, don't get me wrong, Indy's a grave robber too. Let's just call it Mm -hmm. for what it is. But at least, you know, he's... Not quite as Grave Robbie. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) it's the same sort of thing. If I was playing a Hollow Earth Expedition sort of thing and, you know, and I was going to encounter a pygmy tribe that is, you know, um, they are you know, they are dangerous and, and they are deadly and yeah, they will chop your head off and shrink it down and they are cannibals. Well, you know what? That is part of that trope of that genre of fiction, but to make all of them that mm-hmm. way, that is the problem. And then to specifically tie these, you know, and that's what it just comes down to, to tie down, you know, we're all a bunch of white people talking about this, but we got to own it. If we're going to mm-hmm. own it. And it's not just the British. I mean, you know, yeah, here Americans in America, we have a the horrible, Philippines,
1: whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We have a horrible, um, you know, it's, you know, from slavery to how we treated the Indian tribes. You know, we're not spotless either. Okay. So mm-hmm. let me just say that right now. That, you know, but on the other hand,
1: I mean, we got to be careful that we're not stereotyping ourselves because, well, you know, no, by, by I'm no just, means I'm saying, am I saying this is speaking. common, but, yeah. but there's tons of, uh, of situations where americans or or other you know the you know british or whoever actually had peaceful intents on what they were doing you know trying to help cultures to to have some of the luxuries that they had thinking that you know this was at that time in that that mindset that you know this is the way of life you know that oh you know i can't believe you guys don't know how to make metal let me show you how let me you know but, uh, yeah, but again, I mean, that's right. technology
2: yeah. is and not letting them speak their yeah. language are two different things.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's you know, it's the broad, broad gambit, but uh, yeah. it, it does irk me sometimes when everyone paints with that broad brush on the other side of things. It's like, oh, all white people are oppressors and conquerors, yeah. and, no. and now not all of us were. I mean, there's pl- plenty of historic examples of, of missionaries and stuff that did not have that as their intent, but you know, what happened, what is, what happened is a different time and different mindset for people, but yeah. yeah.
0: Right.
2: And that's why I say, is it a racial representation? Yes. And no, mm. you know, like if I was playing a hollow earth expedition game and I, and we we're, you know, playing adventurers and our, you know, we're doing a jungle cruise thing and, and we're going up you know, whatever river this is and we encounter a headhunting tribe, well, that's part of the dangers of that genre. And I'm, I'm pretty okay with that because I think a good game master and a good group would be like, okay, this group, they're deadly. You don't mess with them. It's just like, you know, um, and they're, it, that's to be respected. That is to be, you know, that is to be feared because you know, they, they're they not pushovers, you know, it, it's uh, and it's part of their culture. Uh, it's just like if we're playing an Old West campaign and, the you know, and we're going to encounter Apache. Well, that doesn't mean you're going for tea and crumpets. That means these are <laughs> Apache and you better keep your head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a trope of the genre. Oh, I hear too. Right. Yeah,
3: um, Tilly has climbed up in my arms. Um, <laughs> She's a very yeah, verbal cat. Totally,
2: yeah, and that's my only problem with this. Uh, my big, big problem. Otherwise, like I said, it's a good module, but it's not a great module. And unfortunately, right now in the 21st century, this is one of the things, you know. So be it tall. get
3: canceled, is the yeah, day. Yeah, it is culture.
2: Yeah. So, so okay, <laughs> let's take the Caracara real quickly. How would you make them less racist like this yeah make make them a little more authentic make them you know they're still a danger but they're not going to be this racist stereotype you know um i'd almost say you know what i, I like my idea of we have these two tribes mm-hmm. one tribes maybe a little less um aggressive and one tribe is i'm not going to say less aggressive because you could say the wrong thing and you just piss everybody yeah but then at the same time it's like oh you respect that because like you know what they're badasses but they are they are our badasses yeah you know let's let's keep friends with them you know yeah piss them off so that might be another way to do this too is you know you you actually i i think i think making them not one-dimensional is Mm. is part of the the, the the fix for this if you yeah. want to have them be short orcs then call you know then that's kind of what they are mm-hmm. but they even, even in the description they mention things in the module that they just cut and paste i think from an encyclopedia entry for pygmy peoples mm-hmm. you know and that, that's part of the problem And that's wrong <laughs> yeah and that's wrong you know mm-hmm. so you know i think we've Beaten this dead horse unfortunately I think so <laughs> it's a yeah. good it's a good game it's a good adventure it is. and like i said there's there's other really cool monsters in here mm-hmm. that do not have this sort of thing it's just they you know what seemed okay then now is not, and that's kind of the nature of racism uh we you know at the library i work at we've we've gone through this entire uh we're doing a black lives matter sort of thing where we're just trying to up our sensitivity and and not be so dense about things. Like, uh, there's a lot of cool monsters in here. Like you said, the Topi, um, the Agarot. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, an undead human uh, often encountered among packs of ghouls and can only be distinguished from ghouls by their inability to paralyze victims. So it's just a little, you know, it's a riff off of what they already do. They're like kind of
1: Banshee-like. They have like a scream that affects Mm -hmm. players. And then the the Kalamura uh, mm-hmm. Kalamurra, or however you say that, the, Kalamuru. the fog, yes. Kalamuru, Yeah, that's yeah, there. You go,
3: <laughs> Kalamazoo. Uh, I love that.
1: You know, like uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, the movie The Fog. Uh, the, at least the '70s one is the one I remember, where like there's just fog and just like bony things just like come out of it and attack people. Uh, I really like that concept. That's pretty scary. Um,
2: I remember the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror uh, riff off of the fog. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> So I would say, you know what, as a and d module, it does not work as mm-hmm. a, now Conan, which is kind of D&D-ish, but Conan dealt more with, you know, the whole breadth and width of Hyboria, it might work more. And Conan had some racist stereotypes, so just, you know, just, that's what that is. But I think of something like a, a Hollow Earth game, or if you're going to do a D&D game with Know if it was out at the time, what might actually work a little better would be to set this as an Oriental Adventures game. Mm, yeah. yeah, and you can have you know because that's framing it in the right area of the world kind of thing. Yeah, right. Instead of trying to paste it onto this European you know, yeah. European version of it, and I think that's part of the problem there. Put it in a in an area of the world where it, it would work a little better. Maybe even Al Qadim, you know, along the coast,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, of this you know, pseudo Arabian setting. Uh, But especially with Oriental Adventures, Kara Tour and the Forgotten Realms and stuff, that would – this would work so much better than that.
1: Yeah, I think we'd all agree that uh, Briggy's idea of this being the the PCs on vacation is really the way to go, hands down.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then suddenly I've got this idea of the Kara Kara. You know, they actually run the island. You know, know, it's – be a whole lot different sort of thing. Um, yeah, so maybe anyway, they
1: contact you to get rid of the white guy that keeps trying to take over the place.
2: That'd be a great. Hey, we need some help. Hey, you this know, guy's your becomes, problem. He's one of your kind. Then it becomes the Magnificent Seven, my favorite. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> these are the villagers. It's like we can't get rid of these guys. We need help. <laughs> that, yeah. there's a there's a different twist on it as well. All right. Well, folks, I hate to admit it, but I still
1: love this game. Uh, I would I would handle oh, the. Uh, the car, a little differently, but it's still on my list of, uh, right. if I get a chance to play it, I would.
2: Well, here's the thing though. We have the good sense that, yeah, we, it would need some changes. Yeah. This would be unpublishable as it is now.
1: Yeah,
3: for
2: sure. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. But the, it's got what, like the, uh, the, the, the house show, they're actually set here in Indianapolis, Good Bones, where they go in and, uh. Yes. rehab a whole house and stuff we just don't like their design aesthetic um anyway we do not yeah. it's got good bones though it does yeah. yeah it's got good bones yeah all right so uh lou what time I is it time. now
1: oh i think we all know what time it is it's geek credit time right. woohoo Do you have any
2: geek credit? So I created the uh, uh, geek cred questions this week. <laughs> uh, they're a little odd, but this was an odd one. And this is meant to be more fun. It's been, you know, we this has been one of our more heavy uh, discussions as well. Yeah. Uh, Drums on Fire Mountain. But we don't need to shy away from it. So let's go a little lighter. We're gonna keep it D and D. That's all the questions. These are gonna be for Lou because, Mm -hmm. you know. um, because it's your turn. It's your turn. You're in the chair. I've got five questions. Okay. So our first question, and I've I aggregated this across several different websites and blogs, and it's mostly people's opinion, and that's what a lot of this is. But what is general what is the general consensus? Of the worst Dungeons & Dragons module of all time.
1: Ooh. huh. There's two that come to mind. Okay. One, I actually just finished playing with my son, Castle Caldwell, which is so bad that the authors of it uh, put down their name as Harry Knuckles. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the, the whole Alan Smithy thing going wow. on. Uh, okay. But I think the one that's probably going to take the first place winning will probably be uh, the Hearthstone one, the one that had the uh, the toy line in it.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to say yes and no, because that one appears on the lists. Uh, but N2, the Forest Oracle.
1: Oracle. Oh, I should have known. I, I Yeah, that one is a stinker. That,
2: across all these different blogs, like five or six of them. So this is not a scientific trivia thing <laughs> by any means, but that no. one kept, kept coming up. So... It has all sorts of,
1: like, unplayable moments where, like, you know, you either know what's inside the writer's head or you're not going forward.
2: Save it because I'm saying that's our next one.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I I think, actually, I think our next recording will have one of the guest uh, hosts. Okay, well. So, but definitely that's on the the to-do list. That's
2: on the to-do list. Oh,
1: man. Talk about a remodel. I,
2: I would like to also say that on many of those lists was also one we've already covered, UK 1 Beyond the Crystal Cave. Oh, really?
0: That yeah. Kind of on a me lot cause... of those lists.
2: Huh. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So I wanted to, since it was, I wanted to make that mention. Okay. So going the other direction, what is considered on all of these silly blogs and stuff? I looked at about 10 of them. What is the best Dungeons & Dragons module of all time? This, this is subjective. That's why yeah. I'm not about this geek cred this time.
1: Uh, I know that, uh, and I, I personally agree with this. A lot of people pick B10, um, Night's Dark Terror as one of the best of all time. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with that though. There's a couple high contenders like, uh, Gates of Firestone Peak. And, uh, what's the other one people always love? Um, well, uh, Keep on the Borderlands has a big following simply for nostalgia's sake. So I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna go
2: Night's Dark Terror. Okay, uh, on this list it is I6 Ravenloft. Oh uh, yeah, the original Raven. The
1: original, yeah, that's
2: Ooh, always up cool. there. I, I, yeah, yeah. So Sorry. on that note, also, I would like to say we've we've discussed Ravenloft a bit, but let's go with this is farther down the road. Let's do B10 as one of our future ones yes. as well.
1: I just got a actual copy of B10. I'd had the PDF oh, and I'd nice. had a printout of it but I just got a real physical
2: genuine copy. Okay, now here's a real trivia question. Nice. This is you can actually probably you might get this. Name, you can be in order or not, but you'll probably have to do it in order. Name the classes that are mentioned during the introduction of the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, this is a real trivia question. Yeah. All right. So, uh, cavalier, uh, wizard, Thief, acrobat, ranger, barbarian.
2: Uh, I'm going to let Briggy decide this one. They don't say wizard. They say magician. Magician, yeah. Dang oh, it. Briggy, ah. Do we uh, give it to him or not? Get it. He should get it. My wife is too nice. <laughs> I am, but I yeah. think that that's... I mean, okay.
3: Because he, honestly, if you think about what he looks like, he looked like a wizard in there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. they just used... Well, it would have been it's magic. More PC, so. yeah. Yeah, I think they yeah. use it because it's kids and they'll understand magician. They might not wizard. Right.
1: Well, and satanic um, panic, too, being a big part of it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, um, we're not... Ter- okay, we all know what Beckme stands for. Tell me, using these initials, what does Beckme not stand for?
1: What does it not stand for? <laughs> <laughs> use your creativity. Uh, let's see here. It does not stand for uh, boogers. Excrement, uh, constipation, <laughs> uh, uh, music, and uh, 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 incontinence.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Okay, nice. Anyway, I was just throwing that out there. I it's to interesting
3: you, you didn't come use up this with this for M, well, but you used music for M. Yeah, I, mean, I, well, come
1: up, every, I was trying every, to thinking I could only think of one like, bathroom well, function for M, and I didn't think it'd be appropriate.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, finally, my last question: uh, the uh, late was it late nineteen ninety? No, it was early two thousands. Dungeons and Dragons movie. No that was actually Yeah, uh, that was actually <laughs> released in theaters. I actually went to the theaters and saw it. What is the Rotten Tomatoes aggregation of its rating, which is based on one to one hundred? Give me what is the Rotten Tomatoes aggregation for the D and D movie? Oh all right. boy! And, and I, I know this is terrible, but I can't
1: remember. This Rotten Tomatoes, the the higher the score is, still the better the movie, right?
2: Yes, and yes. it's it's an it's an aggregation of all these different. There's two yeah. aggregations. The main one are what the actual film critics, film journalists give the movie, and then the other. There's another one on the website which will give what the fans, you know, fans say about the movie. Those are not always uh, compatible. I will say on this one, they're pretty close.
1: Um, I am going to say that it's somewhere in the 30s. I'm going to go with 35.
2: Oh, you are so generous. Uh-oh. 10%.
1: 10. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so this is really not a geek cred this time. We just kind of yeah. did this one for fun. No, no it's uh, it's a geek made cred. It. I just didn't get any. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you did with number with uh, the characters from the cartoon because you got oh, it. Oh yeah, you got it. So, I didn't get my three out
1: of five. But well, well, okay. We'll, we'll see number, how it comes th-
2: number three is subjective. I asked you what Beckme does not stand for. Uh, you, uh, like what, I it. you were correct. When you gave an answer. <laughs> does not stand for. This. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love how most of your answers were based on uh toilet functions. Yeah. Yes. Gotta go with the theme. Yeah. You know, it's uh we're children. Yeah.
1: Um, well, with that folks, we're gonna bring the episode to a close. <laughs> uh we look forward to being back with you soon. And until then, keep gaming and uh Yeah. No- have a good life.
2: All right. See you guys later. <laughs> Stay safe. Be good to each other, guys. Stay safe. And
3: have a wonderful Thanksgiving if yes. you're in the U.S. <laughs> or if you're not. Just eat some <laughs> if turkey. You're not, you know. Have some turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Soul Dungeon is copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the show's host and guests, and may not reflect the reality you're living. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will... No, nope, wrong script. Anyhow folks, enjoy your day.